You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Friday edition. Matt and I will be making our six-pack of best bets and going through every game, previewing all of Sunday's action for Week 10 and reviewing what we saw Thursday night with the Colts beating the Tennessee Titans. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me, the scout, Matt Williamson, at Williamson NFL. Let's get started with Thursday Night Football, Matt, and the Colts really making this one fun in the AFC South now, beating the Titans 34-17, pulling away in the second half. Both teams tied now with 6-3 and three records atop of that division. Yeah, and, and I thought they were the better team. I thought this would be a little closer. Um, the Colts scored two touchdowns in under a minute, though. <laughs> I mean, like, that's not easy to do. And once again, you know, I think we mentioned this yesterday, Special teams for Tennessee is a major problem. The Colts are good in that regard. You know, they blocked a punt for a, a, a touchdown. Um, more kicking woes for the Titans. A couple Titans news, or Colts little nuggets here, was I was really happy to see Michael Pittman step up, go for under 100 yards. I really liked him coming out of school. I think he might be their number one or closest thing to it in the second half of the season. And Naheem Hines, I mean, he's a really good Austin eckler light type of player. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're just saying, I'm tired of Wilkins and Taylor. Neither one of you guys are good enough. You know, Taylor certainly doesn't look good enough. We're just going to get the explosive guy touches as a runner and or, and is uh, and handed it off to. I thought the Colts were screwed, frankly, in the in the first half and going for it on fourth downs and running it, trying yeah. to run it up the middle every time. They couldn't get any yards doing that. I was like, will you stop doing that, please? It was kind of like the Bucks <laughs> the week before when they were throwing those goal line fades. It's like, will you stop doing it? It's not working. And Taylor, seven carries for 12 yards. And, and some of those were, you know, in those goal line, goal to go situations or fourth and ones where he's just trying to dive in there and get a yard. But there's a there's something there with Jonathan Taylor with how good that offensive line is and seeing Naheem Hines go for 5.8 yards per carry and even Wilkins looking a little bit better behind that line. There's something missing from a vision standpoint or maybe the way they're using Jonathan Taylor that's just not adding up. And it's got to be worrisome for those who have Jonathan Taylor on their fantasy football teams, but really for a player they spent a second-round pick on, he should be the featured running back in that offense right now. And the fact that he isn't, he's actually getting the ball less now than two other running backs, that's that's a problem. Yeah, and I didn't see that coming. I mean, when Mac got hurt, I thought he was a fantasy league winner. I thought he was an offensive rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say favorite, but, you know, strong, strong contender. And it's odd, you know, like this rookie receiver class, and you bring them up a lot, is really good and having a very, very good year. But the running backs aren't, you know, the quarterbacks are the, and the receivers are and, you know, the running back class, which is, you know, look pretty good on paper. A lot of second round picks and whatnot are not getting it done and are not grabbing the jobs and are not being trusted by their coaching staffs. Uh, I wonder if COVID and I didn't see that coming, you know, affected the running backs rookies a lot more than I thought. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. We'll see how it plays out the rest of the year, but a pretty fascinating storyline there and just another uh, 
another bit of evidence to stop drafting those running backs so early. Just let them fall to you. Like, you know, the Ravens, they ended up with J.K. Dobbins, who was, what, the fifth running back in this class, but maybe he was the best. And it's just mm-hmm. let them fall to you. Let the running backs fall to you. Don't be run, running around trying to find a running back uh, early in the second round unless there is such a clear stud player there. And he's probably not going to be there in the second round if that's the case. So uh, that's yeah. the way I look at it and read the rookie running back situation. I'm looking at the defensive side of the ball for the Colts, which is really the story to me and what they've been able to do, especially on the back end. The defensive line has been really good. They have one of the best linebackers in the league with Darius Leonard. So they're strong on all three levels, but the secondary has been doing a number and AJ Brown held to one catch at 21 yarder. The leading receiver for Tennessee was Corey Davis with five catches for only 67 yards. And Johnu Smith's touchdown was a rushing touchdown. It wasn't even a receiving touchdown for the tight end. So uh, that's the story to me is how well this Colts defense is playing. Yeah, it really is. And I thought this would be a tougher test than they faced up to this year. And they passed that test without question. It's a well-coached group. Um, they, they fly around really well. They don't allow big plays. And yeah, Henry got over 100 yards, but it wasn't you know, in back-breaking fashion or anything like that. It, it is a good group without question. Um, I, I Maybe I'm a little biased against him at this stage of his late career, but Rivers still scares me. I, <laughs> I don't I, – sometimes he plays well and usually against bad defenses when he's not under pressure, but I don't know that he can get them where they need to be, though. Yeah, and I was going to ask you that. So uh, you answered that question for me. If there is something – that's going to hold this team back. It's pretty clearly going to be on the offensive side of the ball. But despite those questions, I don't think it matters if their defense is going to play like that and continue to give the ball back to their offense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, how would you kind of power rank the AFC now? Meanwhile, the Titans have the Ravens coming up and then they get the Colts again. They better win that second Colts game. Or, I mean, there's a chance that they are not a playoff team. They could be six and five in that after those next two games. If they lose three in a row here, and then the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Browns, some of these teams could pass them for wild card standings. Yeah, that's a tough one for me. I would still have them over some of those teams, but the path, I would too. The path gets difficult if they can't win at least one of these next two games. They have to win one of these next two games, the Titans do. Uh, against yeah. either the Ravens or the Colts. If you split with the Colts, uh, you know, the Colts have the Steelers coming up. The, the Colts have uh, the Packers. The Colts have the the Titans again, obviously. The Texans mm-hmm. twice steal uh, the Raiders, Steelers. So, you know, it, it's not it's either. not super easy, but there's a there's a decent path there too, which and this was the first step of that for the Colts to win that division and get in the playoffs. But I would still power rank both the, the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts over the Browns. Uh, over over New England, certainly, uh, probably yeah. over the Dolphins, too, although the Dolphins are, are slowly winning me over, and, and it, there's a certain point where you have to stop betting against the Dolphins because I like I like the way they're playing right now, and they're proving that they can win games. Uh, so, yeah, I put them behind the Bills, Steelers, Chiefs, obviously, Ravens, and yeah. I, I think they're at least there Bills. with everybody else, but probably above everybody. Yeah, and Bills, and Bills, too, yeah. Yeah, I think the Titans are six right now. I think you got to put the Colts, Bills, Ravens, Steelers, Chiefs ahead of Tennessee right now. But there's too many teams with five wins. You can't screw around either if you're the Titans. Right, right. It seems like the Browns have a very easy schedule ahead of them. All right, let's move on to the Sunday games. We'll make our six-pack of best bets, and we'll preview all of the games on the schedule for Sunday right here. Peacock and Williamson. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents or whatever might have held you back fewer 
than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. I watch in a number of different places. I watch every game all day, Sunday, again on Thursday, again on Monday. Uh, maybe if there's a second Monday night game as we get sometimes, I'm in on that too. And I'm watching uh, multiple games on multiple screens and I need refreshment. And Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. All right, Matt, let's do this. Let's start with our six-pack of games that we want to pick going head-to-head with the Action Network. And by the way, just remarkably consistent right now, Matt. You and I have been making our picks. We got five correct out of six in week one, four out of six correct in week two, then three, 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 four, three, three. So we've never been below 500 all season long. And of the last, what, seven weeks, we've had three right six of those times and four the other so uh, we're doing okay for ourselves but we haven't made big money yet so let, let's let's go six for six this week what do you say and what team do you want to start off with i feel very strongly about this one and part of me just can't quit this team or disrespect them in any way but i think the second half of this year is going to be the ravens getting back to the 2019 ravens and i think they destroy new england in new england on what is that Sunday night? I think that is the Sunday night game. Um, I I think they're a way more talented roster, a much, much faster football team on both sides of the ball. And I know the Patriots just got a win, but the reality is they basically played the jets pretty darn evenly. And I think the, the Patriots are a lot closer to the jets than they are the Ravens. I cannot argue with that one. Uh, Ravens, favored by a touchdown here over the Patriots and yeah, seeing how, seeing how the Patriots have played recently, they're just so severely undermanned and a team that is really good and well coached and talented on top of it. Uh, I, I can't see them keeping this one super close. Although Bill tends to keep his games closer than maybe some other coaches might with, with less talent. Uh, you know, if this was 10, 11 points, it'd be hard, but seven points I'm down with it. So uh, I'm with you. Let's go, let's go Ravens here. And I, and 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 I'm with you with the Ravens going forward. They're only going to be better than what we've seen, and they're already in, in pretty darn good shape. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I, I think Lamar is going to get back to being a dominant type of player. I'm looking for games first. I want to go head-to-head with the Action Network because that's always fun, and I'm actually going to pick against my Niners here. The, the Action Network, Chris, yesterday, he's going to take those 9.5 points with the 49ers against the Saints. Still not going to get Richard Sherman back. They're still not going to have Debo Samuels working out a hamstring. Wasn't practicing Thursday. No Raheem Mostert, no Tevin Coleman. Kendrick Bourne's got COVID, maybe. he's got, His tests have gone positive, negative, negative, positive, negative, and I think he's awaiting one more test. He might actually get back again. So that's, there's something very strange, either multiple false positives or multiple false negatives with Kendrick Bourne's COVID testing, but at least wow, nobody else is close contact. It's going to be held out of this game, but so they do get Iuke back, but 49ers are just in a bad spot. And after what we saw the saints do against the Buccaneers, San Francisco's still been able to win some games, even though they've been severely undermanned in some of them, but it's really shown up against 
high-quality opponents, and they just don't have the firepower. So I'm going to give up those 9.5 points and take the Saints. Seems like a very good line to me. Um, if it was 10.5, I'd probably go the Niners. I, I had to have seven games here kind of jotted down that I would pick from for my six-pack, and this, was, this wasn't one of them. Just because I think Shanahan teams can be pesky and maybe they can run the ball pretty well. And, you know, scheme wise, I think they'll keep up. But to your point, they're just these franchises are in two very, very different places right now this year. And I'll, I'll lay the points Saints at home. All right. We've got Ravens and Saints so far. That could even be the Super Bowl. Who knows uh, yeah. who we got here with the third selection in our Sunday six pack? I'm going to take the Chargers and. I'm, I'm not sure what the line is because on the site I'm looking at it, it's one and a half. Yesterday, I thought we said it was three. Uh, two and a half That's obviously yesterday. a pretty big deal. Two, where, where do you got it at? Uh, two and a half yesterday. Okay. So I'm going to stick with that. Okay. And it's the kind of logic we talked about yesterday. I think the Chargers and Dolphins are at least the same in terms of talent. Um, I would give the quarterback edge to the Chargers. I would give the coaching edge in a huge way to Miami, but I'm a believer that Chargers play close games, and if you're going to give them points, I bet they lose by one. I'll take the Dolphins here because I think they can win by a field goal, but I I don't like the Dolphins necessarily being, you know, they're the darling underdog, I think, right now for me. Still not so much the, the overwhelming favorite, but the fact that it's under three points, I'll go Dolphins in this one. But um, we talked so much yesterday, and we've been talking all season how, you know, maybe some coaching issues and, and how come the Chargers keep losing every single week. And at some point, it's no longer something where I think there's going to be a, a regression there. It's just that's the way this team is. And it's been multiple seasons now. It's not even uh, it's not even this year with a new quarterback. So I'll, I'll take the Dolphins. I, I, I just love what Brian Flores is doing over there. And, and they're they're winning games. They've got a formula there to win games and they don't have to win by a lot. I'm going to vent for a minute, too, just because. Sure. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I sent out a tweet like an hour ago, and, it, and it's just a factual tweet. It's not, hey, I hate the MF and Dolphins. It's the Rams and Cardinals outgained the Dolphins by a combined 456 yards the past two weeks. And Miami won both games. Sustainable, question mark. And it's unbelievable. Like, that's why I don't tweet much, because. 50% of the responses were, you dumb mf or you didn't watch the games. It was junk time. I'm just stating some facts here. I have no opinion. I have no dog in the fight. I'm just saying that's generally speaking, when you get out game dramatically over a two-game stretch, you probably won't go 2-0. Just pointing that out, folks. That's why I don't tweet a lot, because <laughs> half of you were like, good point. Maybe that's not. Maybe we won't get defense and special teams touchdowns left and right. The other half are... Do you even watch football? You're an idiot. You know, like, it makes me crazy. Like, why do I even bother? Uh, that's really Enough. funny. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, and yeah, there's always someone that just gets it completely wrong. You're like, can you just, just please... A factual tweet. Just re before you're going to fire off something insane to me, at least read the tweet twice, maybe, and see where mm -hmm. you're wrong, because a lot of times it's a very simple answer. And, and people get mad. People get mad about their own team. Obviously, people like to stick up for, for their favorite team, and if you say anything bad about them, even if they're the worst, you know, 0-9 team in the league, like the New York Jets, you know, Jets fans are kind of to the point now where they're like, yeah, we're the worst, and we're hope we hope we continue to be the worst, but um, very rarely is, is that the case. You say anything bad about a team and they will freak out on you and, and they really have a, an odd view of their own team's roster at times. So, yeah. I mean, I got a lot of 
Flores is a Belichick disciple. They allow yards, not points, you idiot. They're bend but don't break. I'm like, I know these things. I I didn't write a thousand-word essay on the thing. I mean, it's just a noticeable situation. Yeah. They've allowed a lot more yards than they've gained over two weeks. That's it. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> factual statement. Right. Okay. Uh, I am... Double and tricky, triple checking here. I cannot believe that the the Rams are favored over the Seahawks right now. I know. I was going to pick that one too. Yeah, yeah, because this is one I just can't skip over. And uh, the, the Seahawks, I'm expecting a bounce back. Uh, they, their defense is a problem. I, I understand that, but they their defense has shown that they can play enough and keep opponents under the total that they're going to score on offense in most cases. And uh, I expect to bounce back. They lost to the bills last week. I've seen the Rams play enough to know that they're not a world beating team, but they're good. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're in the top half of the league as far as teams go, but I wouldn't put them in the upper echelon of, of teams in the NFL right now, but I do think that Seattle belongs there. And I think Seattle is going to play better on defense because I saw some signs of what they can do on that side of the ball and their offense is just scary. And Russell Wilson is playing at an MVP level. So yeah, I'm getting points with the Seahawks right now. I will actually, I will absolutely take that all day long. And what's funny is when we recorded yesterday, I saw this game and it was plus one. Now it's one and a half. They're getting even more than 24 hours ago. Yeah, I just think Seattle's better. I understand it's a second straight road trip. The Rams are coming off a bye. Ramsey might do good, really good things against DK Metcalf. Aaron Donald's going to be unblockable. The Seahawks defense is junk. I, I get all those things, but I think Dunlap and Adams coming back and to your point, makes yeah. the defense a little better. Oh, I mean, those are huge. Less putrid. I mean, that's the best player on their defense in Jamal Adams coming back. Mm-hmm. That makes a massive impact. And Carlos Dunlap is now their best defensive end by far their best pass rusher. So uh, I'm excited to see what that looks like for Seattle. I thought that was a great trade for them. I, I think they were maybe one of the big winners of the deadline for making a deal like that to get an impact defender at the position group they needed the most and if uh, the secondary can hold up their end of the bargain i think they're going to be okay defensively even you know if not great or even good they're they're not going to be as bad as we saw in some games in the first half of the season when they didn't have their best player on that side of the ball and i've liked what i've seen from bobby wagner i, I thought maybe earlier on in the year yeah. lost a step he he was looking pretty good the last couple of weeks and 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 playing instinctive and, and looked a lot like the old bobby wagner so i think there's some stock up there and buy low on the seattle seahawks and it might be the last time you're getting uh, any points from them this season. Yeah, and I'm going to do the same thing with the Bucs. You know, that there's a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth with the Seahawks. There's a really bad taste in your mouth with the Bucs. I just think they're a much better team than the Panthers, and I like what Carolina's doing. I understand it's in Carolina, but I don't think Brady – I wonder how that week of practice has gone in Tampa, I guess is how I'm getting at this. You know, <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling they're going to be focused and – their weapons are going to ex- exploit this Carolina secondary repeatedly. I don't know who's going to go off out of those three receivers, but I bet Brady does. Yeah, and another week of Antonio Brown getting ingrained yeah. into the system. And I love what Chris was talking about on yesterday's show about old man Brady playing a past his bedtime in prime time. Yeah, yeah, he gets the early game this week, too, so that'll help. Yeah, I like that, too. All right, we've got five out of six so far in our Sunday six pack. The last game for me is oh man, there's there's so many games here that are like the Vegas. I think has gotten a lot better at making lines the second half of the year. I think that's why we were yeah. able to exploit that early on, and we had a couple of really big weeks to start off the season. 
And a lot of the teams where I think the line is it favors a team, I don't like the team enough to pick them <laughs> in a lot of cases. Like right, right. Uh, this Bills-Cardinals game is super interesting to me. And um, the fact that the Cardinals are favored by two and a half at home and the Bills, even though I don't know if the Bills are quite as good as their record, they showed last week that they could knock off the team that I just picked and the Seahawks that are that's leading the division that the Cardinals are in. And I don't. And I've talked all season long about how I don't believe in the the home field advantage this year. It's a long trip for Buffalo to go to Arizona, but it's you know there's longer trips in the NFL. And if home field advantage isn't what it used to be, and I'm getting points for the seven and two Bills going to see the the five and three Cardinals, uh, give me Buffalo. Uh, I think I have to take this game with all the stuff I've talked all season long, and I talked last week about how I can't underrate the Bills anymore. I've got to take them now. So uh, the underdog on the road that I think is a better team in a neutral environment, give me the Buffalo Bills and I get two and a half points. They're on my list too. I considered making them one of my choices. Pretty sure the Action Network took the Cardinals, which I get. You know, I mean, there's momentum with both these teams. There's a lot of momentum with both these quarterbacks, particularly Kyler Murray. Uh, That Bills D has not been super impressive to me. The Cardinals D, I would say, actually has outplayed Buffaloes this year, but I still think Buffalo's is better, and I think they're the better team. Like when I power rank these teams, I have the Bills ahead of them. So to your point, if you're going to give me points in you know not a hostile environment, yes, it's a cross country road trip, but I'll take the better team. Yep, exactly. All right, Saints, Seahawks, Bills for me, Matt. You've got Ravens, Chargers, Buccaneers. Let's preview the rest of Week Ten coming up on Peacock and Williamson. Let's go to Cleveland, Matt. Let's get this one out of the way because everyone knows you hate the Browns and the <laughs> the two and six Texans are going to Cleveland in some inclement weather. It looks like they're possibly wind and rain in Cleveland, the five and three Browns and uh, the Browns are favored in this game by three and a half over the Texans. How are you feeling about this matchup in week 10? Mixed feelings. Originally, I was jumping all over the Texans and my th- and the Browns have some COVID scares as we sit here too. So maybe they'll be down a few players. I, we don't know noon on Friday, but I also thought, you know, I, I favor the Browns when it's not a good pass rushing team or a good run defense and Houston's neither. So could Chubb go crazy? Could Baker have time to throw? Probably. And then when I heard the weather, I thought, man, because I thought Watson might throw all over these guys. The Fuller and Cooks might have big days. But if it's sloppy, windy, that doesn't really favor what I liked as much. So I stayed away from it. If it was in a dome or if I knew the weather was great, I think I'd take Houston. I'll still take Houston, but a lot less, a lot more reluctantly than a day ago. Yeah, and, and I was almost going to take the Texans here just because it's you know they're, you're getting three and a half points and yeah, uh, but the the one path I see to victory is somewhat blocked unless and, and I can, I'm trying to think back I can't think of any and I don't have any data at all so this is just anecdotally is Deshaun Watson I'm trying to think of like a bad weather game that he's even played that I could compare this to because if that's their only path to victory and it looks like that's the way it's going to be for the Texans the rest of the year and it's bad weather I mean it just favors the Browns so much. Yeah, it's funny. I almost said the exact same thing. I'm like, he went to Clemson. He's played in Houston. Have I ever seen him in nasty weather? Sure doesn't ring a bell. But I'm also thinking, hey, I was on staff with Romeo in in Cleveland way, way back when for a couple months before they let me go. He has nothing to lose. He may just go balls to the walls in this game. 
<laughs> yeah, and and who knows? And I love the the muddy games. Like I don't know how much it's going to rain. If it's going to be like one of those mud bowls. Yeah, but right. It's always funny because every team has a guy who's a mudder, and you don't really know who that is until you see a game play out. And some play, I mean, like Lashawn McCoy is one of the famous ones, right? In snow games, he's going he's right. running for two hundred and fifty yards, and it's like okay, he's running the same as he always did, and nobody else is, and it makes a huge difference. So uh, that can kind of skew some of these games sometimes. Duke Williams Romeo Cornell revenge game. There you go. Okay, I like that angle. <laughs> Uh, the two and six. Duke Johnson, I called him Duke. Williams. Duke yeah, Duke Sorry. Johnson, not Duke Williams. Getting your Dukes mixed up. Not the Blue Devils either. Uh, the uh, Washington football team is on the road at two and six. They're going to face the three and five Detroit Lions. Huh. I don't know what to make of the Lions. Are they still? I'm not gonna. I hate to say playing hard, but are they still super motivated? It's been a couple of rough weeks. Hawkinson's questionable. Galladay's not going to play. Washington's defense is strong. Alex Smith will probably dink and dunk like crazy. I'll take the points. Yeah, I, I don't feel strong about it, but four and a half points is the line yeah. right now, and it's just too many points for Detroit. And uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, an efficient offense, maybe if not a big you know, point-scoring offense, keep the game low-scoring for Washington with that defense and uh, four and a half points. Uh, yeah, I think the the Washington football team under Alex Smith can keep it within that. So I'm with you. Let's yeah, go Washington. Probably won't turn the ball over, you know. Here's one that I almost picked because we've talked about how bad the Jaguars are. And despite their early season win at one and seven, now they are 31 on your power rankings, Matt. And it's really hard to argue with that ranking for them, and it's the only team clearly worse than them in the NFL is the New York Jets. They kept it close last week, but the Packers are at home. This could be a bit of a weather game, which which might dampen some points that the Packers can put up, but they are favored by 13.5, so you're under two touchdowns, which is big for me, which is why, you know what, I'm going to go for it because I think the Packers can easily win this one by two touchdowns. I lean that way, too, and... I'm not sure if Jari Alexander's playing or not, but he would be on Chark and Chenault is out. That just doesn't leave much for Jacksonville to keep up. I mean, I don't think that Robinson, he may have a nice day, but he's not going to control this game on the ground and keep up with Aaron Rodgers. I think Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones just go insane. It's about the right number, though, but I, I think I'll take Green Bay at home. Alexander questionable, it looks yeah. like. He wasn't practicing Wednesday, but questionable usually means probable. So, yeah, monitor that one. If, if Jair Alexander play or practices Friday uh, later on today, then that'll be a pretty clear indicator. And, yeah, you're right. That, that really hurts that Jaguars team because where are they going to go? No Chenault if, uh, if Chark is somewhat locked up. And, and you know, how mm-hmm. do you even keep up with that Packers offense? And, sure, Luton looked fine in his first week, yeah. but that was – yeah. Right. Hey, is that going to keep up? And you know, right, you start the putting, tape on. Yeah, there's tape on you. Yeah, you start putting stuff on tape, and then you've got to adjust to the adjustments. Okay, let's go to New York, where the three and four and one division leading Eagles are on the road at their division rival, two and seven Giants, coming off a big win, and a Philly favored by three and a half. Logic tells me to take the Giants here because I think the Giants D is real. I think the Giants' big men on defense can control the line of scrimmage. I think that the Giants' offense is gradually showing some signs of life. The first-round pick, Thomas, is playing a little bit better. Jones didn't turn the ball over. Some of their weapons are okay. But I can't quite quit the Eagles. I've been in their in, in their ballpark the whole time. 
coming off a bye. I just think that they're going to have a lot of healthier weapons and should be able to move the ball, you know, help Wentz out a little bit more. But three and a half, I hate that half. I'm still going to take the Eagles, but I think the Giants are better than people think. Sound like you're going to go Giants there, but in, in I think the Ashen Network, for similar reasons, did take the Giants because they're more logical yeah. with their picks, and you and I uh, definitely uh, are kind less logical and, and more scouting-oriented when we look at these matchups and these games. And so I'm with you. I just I, I got to take the Eagles um, because I can't I just can't pick the Giants unless this line was like really really big three and a half points. I, yeah, it, again, and I don't like the half point. And I think that was one of the points that Chris made about this mm-hmm. game is he likes that half because the, that field goal is a, is a big winner for you. I'm with you. I'm going to go Eagles and give up those points reluctantly. The Giants got to prove they can beat somebody who's not Washington. Let's go to the AFC West. We've got the three and. Five Broncos at the five and three Raiders. Raiders at home favored by four. This is a real sneaky over shootout fantasy bonanza team for me because I think the Raiders are kind of built to do that in general. Their defense isn't very good. The car is playing well. Even if the Broncos are getting blown out, I think Locke could still throw for three and a quarter in comeback mode. He seems to do that often. Very aggressive downfield thrower. We mentioned Winston. Locke has some Winston tendencies, and he's got really good weapons. I think four and a half is too big of a number. I like Denver plus the points. I'm really mad because there's a a fantasy league I play in where you start three wide receivers, and I'm pretty stacked at wide receiver, and I had Jerry Judy in there over Mm -hmm. A.J. Brown to start the week, and I was kind of thinking about it Thursday before the game started, and... Jerry Judy's listed as questionable. He's dealing with a shoulder injury. And I thought, man, I can't do that. I can't sit A.J. Brown, one of my star players, for Jerry Judy, even though I like the matchup for Jerry Judy. And I'm very high on Judy the rest of the year in Denver's offense, but he's got the questionable tag. So I've got to put A.J. Brown in the game instead. So my instincts, I think, were correct. Brown goes for one catch for 21 yards, and I think Jerry could go big. But um, I just had to do that for that Thursday night game if it would have both been Sunday games, and I knew Judy was going to play. Maybe I would have stuck with it, but my instincts were correct. So I'm still big on Jerry Judy this week, and I do have him, some, have him starting in some other games as long as he does play. But I don't like the injuries. Do not like the injuries. And then right. if that happens, um, you know, you got Tim Patrick, who's also questionable in this game. The, that Denver offense starts to get very thin and very dicey there. And uh, for some of those reasons, I think I might still have to take the Raiders in this one. I hear you. I'm actually having a, a, a similar Judy dilemma, and I think we made some money for some people last week telling them to get Judy in your lineup, that he's ready to break out, and I believe that's true for the second half. But I got to pick three. I got Chark, Allen Robinson, Judy, Godwin, and Antonio Brown. I, I wish any of them would play running back because my running backs <laughs> are so bad. <laughs> I am in the exact but, same boat with my running back wide receiver situation. Uh, I think everyone in the world is. You can't yeah. trade. Like, I couldn't trade Godwin for a running back that at least trots out there. Like, nobody has any run. Every team's in the same well, awful Luckily, situation. in that same league where I started Brown, I started Naheem Hines because I'm so bad at running back ah. there, and I felt great about that. Uh, and he's going for 20-whatever points. And I think 30 points, actually, he had for me. So I'm like, well, I'm still okay there because I'm, I'm one ahead with my, uh, you know, uh, the guy that was the last player on my roster at some point this season that I think I picked up on off waivers. 
I don't know, a month ago, is now going to carry my my team in week 10. So that's the scenario that a lot of fantasy players are in trying to scrape through and, and get running backs, trying to find passing down backs in PPR leagues is what the second half of the year tends to be about a lot of times, especially somebody like me who goes zero running back quite often. I don't even remember what we were talking about now, but uh, Jerry, Jerry, Judy, <laughs> Judy yes. uh, uh, DJ Chark. Who are your other options? Judy, Chark, Allen Robinson, Godwin, Antonio Brown. I got to put, I got to pick three of them. they're all kind of the same. Yeah. I know it. I bet I've guessed wrong on shark every time this year. You you can't sit Robinson. He's in for sure. I think he's my, my number one. Yeah. He's an auto start every week and going against the Vikings. I like that matchup at home, Monday night football. Um, give me Robinson for sure. And I think you have to wait on G I would go Judy second. As long as he plays, you got to monitor, you got to monitor the Jair Alexander injury we just talked about. And that's your Mm -hmm. shark matchup. And so if Jair plays and Judy plays, you go Judy. If Judy's banged up and, and looking like he might be limited, then and Jair Alexander doesn't play, then I go Chark. Yeah. The Chark just gets so many targets. And sometimes yes. they're for two yards and they're over his head, but I mean the ends I guess wrong on him every week. And and playing comeback mode against the Packers, I'm sure. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. I kind of like them, but especially if Alexander's out. Yeah, for sure. I think we're seeing eye to eye there. Where are we at here on games? We've got. I think it's all of them. uh, Bengals Steelers. We haven't talked about yet. Oh, yeah. Bengals Steelers. Let's finish it up there. We've got the Steelers at home, unbeaten, 8 0, the only unbeaten remaining in the NFL, hosting the 2 5 1 Cincinnati Bengals, who have not yet won a game on the road, although they did have one tie on the season. Steelers favored by seven, which in some places, six and a half, where I'm definitely giving up those six and a half points if you're under a touchdown. Yeah, I think they win big. I mean, they they have this reputation, which is a little bit unfounded, and I'll get into it some other time, that Tomlin plays down to his opponent, and how could they almost lose to Dallas and those type of games? But that never happens against the Browns and Bengals. So it doesn't just – I mean, of course, the Ravens are a different story, but it doesn't happen in the division. They usually beat those teams soundly in a big brother-like manner. And I'm really excited about what Burrow's doing. And frankly, I think he'll torture my Steelers for years and years. But here's the only stat I think you need to know is the Steelers' sack differential, the number of sacks they create on defense minus the number of sacks they allow on offense – is number one in the league. That probably won't surprise anybody. The Bengals are 32nd. That is not a good combination. We, no, we had no. a question on a two-minute warning earlier this season. Uh, it was a Bengals fan worrying that Joe Burrow was going to become the next Derek Carr because he's getting hit so much and getting sacked mm-hmm. so much. Now you have the best pass rush in the league at home, going to tee off probably against a Bengals team that's trying to throw from behind against one of the worst pass-blocking units in the NFL right now that is banged up. Um, massive advantage Steelers. Yeah, and the Bengals are on their third right tackle, most likely against T.J. Watt. If there was a pass-rushing fantasy league, T.J. Watt (laughs) would be my number one pick this week. I would start T.J. Watt at running back if I could. (laughs) Yes, over D.J. Shark and all those idiots I'm trying to play. Yeah, absolutely. All right. (laughs) Great stuff. We'll break it all down for you guys. Monday, everything that happened on Sunday's Week 10 schedule. We'll preview Monday Night Football as well. Keeping you going all season long every day right here, Peacock and Williamson.